The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. Well, uh, it's just so good to see all of you. And uh, thank you, Jisei, for your help. Um, as you can probably guess, uh, I'm here in a Zendo uh, in Northampton um, with Oxbow Zen. And this is the first time we've ever done this, um, trying to have this uh, online, uh, present, physically present here and also online um, with everybody at the Village Zendo. And it's just so heartwarming. Um, I've been feeling a very strong connection with the Village Zendo recently. Just uh, we, a couple weeks, last week, I think, maybe we had uh, Tongario and uh, two Oxbow Zen people uh, went down. Uh, well, one went down and one did Tongario here, and now they're formal st students of um, the teachers at, of the Village Zendo. And when they came back, we did a new student entry for them. And, you know, it's just um, this flow between uh, the sanghas uh, really kind of echoes how it's been throughout the, the pandemic where, you know, no longer it's just localized in one place, but the Dharma's spreading everywhere. Uh, it's really great to see you all. Um, and uh, I have to say, this has been a tough couple weeks um, otherwise, uh, I think mostly because of the news that we've been hearing and, and the violence and just, it just breaks my heart. Um, and, and, and yet it's not the talk I'm going to give. Um, the, we have to do something about the really deep injustice that's going on. Um, but I think that sometimes what gets in the way of us being able to take uh, real action is our own ordinary suffering and, and dissatisfaction kind of uh, strips energy from us um, so that we don't, uh, we don't always know how to act. Um, we're kind of caught up. And so it is important that we look at those things that are causing our own personal dissatisfaction, even as we know that there's really great suffering that also has to be addressed. So I'm gonna talk about um, those kind of things a little bit. And, and I'll tell you two incidents that happened uh, for me this week um, where uh, we could see some of that um, ordinary suffering come up. So the first one was um, this uh, Zendo got flooded. And uh, <laughs> last, uh, last Thursday, we, the, a bunch of us showed up and instead of having a nice two periods of Zazen, we mopped. And um, we had to lift the rug up off the floor. And fortunately, this has happened before or not so fortunately, but fortunately it's happened before. So we know not to keep the cushions on the floor. And so everything was up um, off the floor. There was nothing really damaged but we had to spend you know have some work practice and uh, we couldn't sit and uh, I was annoyed you know um, <laughs> and, uh, and and yet that's our practice but 
you know, the annoyance is a very interesting thing because it's like, well, I have this expectation that I'm going to go down to the Zendo and I'm going to sit. And then it doesn't happen that way. And so it's that uh, idea that something isn't working out the way I think it's supposed to just doesn't allow me to just accept the reality as it is at the moment. And that's where that dissatisfaction and suffering comes from. But it's interesting because um, we think, oh, well, I don't know, I won't say we. Uh, I think I um, was under the impression uh, when I practiced for many years that eventually I wouldn't get annoyed by things anymore. And I would just have kind of complete equanimity to all these types of events. And um, something must be wrong if I'm still getting annoyed, right? Uh, and then there was another thing. Um, at work, uh, I made a mistake. So um, I noticed uh, when I made this mistake, and uh, it was pointed out to me that I had this uh, real defensive reaction come up inside me. Um, it's not that bad. Um, it's not my fault. I'm too busy. Um, everybody makes mistakes sometimes. This whole like little noise started coming up for me about this mistake. And, uh, and then I said like, well, who am I def defending, right? I'm defending this idea I have of who I am, right? And when I fall short of this idea, what I think I do, then who am I? And I think, and, and I, I have to flush this out a little bit more for myself, but it was kind of a realization that happened um, at that moment that we load on top of our mistakes our habits of blame and self-judgment and, you know, distress, you know, because we're not perfect or whatever. But in fact, those are kind of noise. Um, the real root of the suffering that comes from something like that is, is the recognition of non-self. And so when we have non-self, our constructed self doesn't want that, right? It does what it's kind of habitually trained to do, which is to continue to construct itself. And so there's this tension. When you can see that, or when I saw that, began to ease. And in that process, there's a kind of separation from the mistake itself, right? So that by not accepting the mistake, it's the same as not accepting the flooding right? There's a separation from actual reality. Um, and that's the root of where the stress lies. We can call it making a mistake or call it not getting it right. But in some way, we're falling short how we think we should be. We're judging. And then we don't act and we're paralyzed. So I want to... Um, take this up um, in a, a koan. And this is um, uh, one of the stories from the Ango texts that we're working with, the sayings of Layman Pang. And uh, probably uh, many people here have already sort of been listening to Dharma talks and have a good sense of how, um, what this text is and how it situates. But uh, just as a quick 
background for anybody that hasn't caught all of that. Um, these are um, the sayings of a layman, okay? So not a monk, um, like most of the normal uh, koans that we work with, but a layman like us, uh, layman pang in uh, eighth century China. And uh, he lived with his family, uh, Mrs. Pang, his daughter uh, Ling Xiao, and his son Genghuo. And these stories are uh, about his interactions with his families, with monks, his teachers, but he's, um, he's not seeking in the same way that many of the koans that we study are where there's a monk who's trying to get it, wants something, he's trying to figure it out. Leonardo's not trying to figure it out, he's having fun, okay? So a lot of these stories are just kind of humorous, they're playful, but they still illustrate um, important points about the Dharma. Um, and then the other thing I want to mention about that is that um, there are other collections of stories about Pong and his family. And so um, when they look at uh, how did how did it come about that he um, he practiced the way he did, there are a couple different versions. So uh, in one version, um, he goes out on a retreat, and uh, when he comes back home, he announces that he's given away the house and that he's tossed all their possessions into a lake. And the family kind of takes a few minutes to kind of digest this fact. And uh, but they're all, you know, pretty awake too, and they decide it's not such a bad idea, and they join him in that, and they all move into a relative's house. Okay. Another version is that he goes on a retreat. Uh, no, another version is all four of them uh, toss their possessions into the lake together. So you can figure out which version you like. I'm not sure there's a def definitive answer on that one yet, but long story short, uh, he, he's uh, taken a vow of poverty. He's given away all of his stuff. His family has joined him in this. And uh, he gives up a very comfortable existence to now um, sell bamboo wares. Um, Lin Chao makes baskets and they go about and they sell them. They support themselves working like any other peasant of that time. But after um, he has uh, gone on, uh, gotten rid of all his possessions or they have gotten rid of all their possessions, he leaves for a pilgrimage. And he's gone for several years. And actually, it's during that time when he receives transmission as a lay master. So uh, I'm looking at a section of this book uh, called Dialogues with uh, Dancia. And uh, there are five of these dialogues. And I want to look at the first one. It's called Meeting with Lin Xiao. So that's his daughter. I'm gonna read through it once and I'm gonna go back in and talk about a little bit more. So one day, Master Tantia comes to visit the layman. He had just passed through the gate when he saw the layman's daughter, Yun Chao, holding a basket of vegetables. Tantia says, is the layman here or not? Yun Chao dropped the basket, stood up, and clasped her hands together on her chest. 
Tanxia asked again, is Layman here or not? Lin Chao picked up the basket, walked away, and Tanxia left. When the layman returned home, Lin Chao told him what had happened. The layman said, was it Tanxia? Lin Chao said, he's gone now. The layman said, you've spilled milk in the mud. Okay, so let's look at that. There's a lot going on here. So um, Dancia was uh, an old friend of um, the layman. And uh, then um, they traveled around together. But before that, Dancia had ordained, Pang had decided not to ordain. And this story uh, takes place when they returned from, their, from a pilgrimage together. And they're full of energy and excitement, right? They're Dharma buddies, they've got intimate connection, long history together, and they kind of take over the household and they're so excited. Um, they're loud, they're boisterous, um, they kind of seclude themselves from the rest of the household, talking about the Dharma late into the night with frequent calls to Lin Chao so she can make tea for them. Um, she was the only one who could do it, apparently. She made it the way he liked it. Um, and so uh, one of the translators uh, says that, you know, eventually Lin Chao had had enough. And this is a story that kind of comes out of that. So one day, Master Danxia came to visit the layman. He had just passed through the gate when he saw the layman's daughter, Lin Chao, holding a basket of vegetables. And so she's actually working. She's bending over uh, onto the ground working. Danxia said, is the layman here or not? Ling Chao dropped the basket, stood up and clasped her hands together on her chest. So that clasped hands uh, is, is a form of greeting. So she's present, she's here. She doesn't answer him. Danxia asked again, is the layman here or not? So he's not really responding in kind uh, to her response to him. So she, Ling Chao, picked up her basket and walked away and Danxia left. So this is her answer to him. He didn't engage, she didn't engage. Now it's interesting in the following story after this one, uh, Pang and Danxia refer to this moment. And Danxia said, I don't know why I said nothing then. And Pang said, when I'm annoyed, I also say nothing. So I wonder if he thought she was rude. And it's interesting because when I think back on so many koans, it's very rare that I hear uh, any of the Zen masters talking about their feelings. And it made me wonder, like when they say 30 blows, you know, were they angry? You know, we never really know what's going on for them. And it was kind of wonderful to discover that actually, you know, they get annoyed and maybe he walked away because he was annoyed. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier about this idea uh, that I think I had, or that we can get, especially when we read all these cones, that there's there's no feelings involved in them. They're just these actions and we can't contextualize them. Maybe we should try to get beyond that. 
But here we learn Zen masters get annoyed too, which I found greatly reassuring. But he doesn't lash out, right? He's not indulging in his anger. He's just experiencing it. Doesn't say anything, he walks away. When the layman returned home, Ling Chao told him what had happened. The layman said, was it Tansia? Now that's a question that's concerned with the past, okay? Ling Chao offers a correction, she says. He's gone now. She's redirecting it and she's testing him. Past doesn't exist, there's only now. But the layman doesn't take it up. The layman says, you spilled milk in the mud. So that expression means uh, a wasted effort. In other words, he's saying she made a mistake. Now, it's entirely possible that she did, right? How many times uh, can you think back on your life when you've made a joke or intervened in a conversation or done something or other where it just didn't go over the way you had thought? and you feel foolish, or you realize that you weren't really present, really getting it in the way that it was. You crack this joke, everybody looks at you, what are you talking about? Um, didn't work. So she may have been coming off as rude and arrogant and not funny and not helpful. Or not. Maybe they weren't prepared to actually receive her version of the Dharma. The translator for this says that she tested Tansia unnecessarily. Why unnecessarily? Was he not supposed to test a master or was there something that she wasn't noticing? She didn't need to or because Pang knew that he wouldn't respond. Now, there's another version of this uh, story where it doesn't say you spilled milk in the mud. And this says, you red soiled ox. You're getting your butt dirty. Sounds like an insult. Well, we know that sometimes insults can be an appreciation, right? Oftentimes Zen masters will hurl an insult after one of their students when they're really kind of uh, complimenting them. But I think it's even possibly not that or more than that, okay? Because we know um, that the ox is a symbol of our Buddha nature, right? If you've studied the ox herding pictures at all, an oxen roll in dirt, that's their nature. It's not a mistake for an ox to have red dirt on its butt. It's part of their life. Soiled, obvious. Think about when a farmer is plowing behind that ox, what are they gonna see? Can't hide it. In this version, making a mistake, being foolish, not having it all together is our Buddha nature and you can't hide it. Somebody commented to me recently um, that when uh, ringing a bell for a service position, there are countless opportunities to make a mistake. So many, just think about it. It's not the right time to ring. This moment, this moment, this moment, this moment's not right. You ring in any one of them, it's a mistake. You can forget to ring. This moment, this moment, this, you forgot, there's a mistake. You can hit too hard, you can hit too soft. In fact, 
it's endless, the number of mistakes that happen just by themselves. If you ring or you don't ring. The other side of it is really, there's no mistake. All you have is a soft bell, loud bell, long space, short space, just the bell. There's no other sound but the bell ringing now. So equally, there's innumerable opportunities for no mistake. So the milk is spilled, it's absorbed by the soil. There's no separation there. It's a natural state of mud. And that helps us move beyond pure versus soiled, right versus wrong, mistake versus not mistake, getting it right versus not getting it right, getting it wrong. So I will end with a poem by our friend Lehman Powell. There is no I and there is no other. How can there be intimacy or estrangement? I recommend giving it up, giving up trying to get there by meditation, but rather directly seizing the reality at hand. The message of the Diamond Sutra is nothing is excluded from our experienced world. From beginning to end, it inevitably exposes our false identities. <laughs>